All right, welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of teens. I believe that the best way to get our teens to grow is to get them to go, to go and share the good news. Encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, rate it, review it, uh, let your youth leader friends know about it. And I'm so excited about our guest today. Uh, today, we have Dr. Sean McDowell. Uh, he's a gifted communicator with a passion for equipping the church, particularly young people, uh, to make the case for the Christian faith. He connects with audiences in a very tangible way through humor and stories while imparting hard evidence and logical support for viewing all areas of life through a biblical worldview. Sean is an associate professor in the Christian Apologetics Program at Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. Sean is the co-host for the Think Biblically podcast, which is one of the most popular podcasts on faith and cultural engagement. He's authored and co-authored over 20 books. Put it this way, he's wicked smart, all right? Uh, Sean is awesome. Uh, and Sean, thank you so much uh, for being a part of the podcast today. Oh man, happy to do it. Since you invited me a while ago, I've been been looking forward to it. Yeah, it's been great. And you you love superheroes. Uh, what t-shirt are you wearing today? You know what, man? I had to go with uh, kind of the Captain America background with Black Panther. He's just he's a cool character that that I love. Black Panther's hard to beat. All right. I'm wearing my Batman shirt in honor of <laughs> Batman and Sean McDowell. So uh, glad that, uh, again, um, thinking about, you know, we've known each other over the years. Um, I think the first event we did together was the Anchored Conference. We did a few years back on how to reach LGBTQ plus teenagers with the hope of Christ and how do we deal with that issue in the church. Um, boy, that was a was pretty intense weekend in Southern California. That that was intense. That was the first one we've kind of planned together and done along with our buddy Jonathan McKee. And you're right, people came to learn. Some people came to be critics, but it just reminded me we got to speak up Christianly on controversial issues, but do it lovingly. I still remember some of the stories you told about how when you were a young evangelist was like me against them and fighting them and proving them wrong. And God just softened your heart and transformed how you engage non-believers. That story really stood with me. Sean, I, I really appreciated. I mean, you, you took basically the whole Bible, you dealt with every passage that deals with that issue of homosexuality and you lovingly exegeted it. I don't know how anybody could walk away from that talk and criticize you for being mean-spirited, but also criticize you for not being clear or holding to Bible author uh, biblical authority. I, I really appreciated the way that you handled that. And it was a, and you spoke for like an hour. I mean, it was, yeah. it, and it was very, very engaging. So I appreciate, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but before we kind of dive into some of these issues, I mean, I've known your dad for longer than I've known you. You've known yeah. your dad for longer than you've known me. <laughs> um, I remember the first time I met your father, there was a teen event uh, done by uh, Promise Keepers called The Passage. It was for uh, The Passage. It was in Columbus, Ohio. It was for teen boys. Okay. And uh, I remember preaching to 13,000 young men looking over to my right and seeing coach Bill McCartney, who was the, you know, founder of promise keepers, also the 
head football coach for the University of Colorado with these crazy eyes locked onto me. And next to him was your dad, the Josh McDowell, with his crazy eyes locked onto me. And I was so intimidated. I go, Lord, I know I'm preaching for you, but here's a, a football hero and a apologetics hero. It was quite intimidating. And after your dad invited me to go uh, snowmobiling up in Breckenridge, Colorado, wow. that Wednesday. And I said, man, I'm booked. I called my wife and I said, Josh McDowell just invited me to go snowmobiling. And, but I'm booked. I got meetings. She goes, you idiot. It's Josh <laughs> McDowell. Cancel all your meetings and go snowmobiling. I'm like, you're right. I'm an idiot. So I went up and man, it was, it was a great, great time to connect with your father. Let me just ask you this as, as you know, from a son's perspective, I mean, how is it for you personally to be the son of an apologetics legend? Is that intimidating? Is it exciting? Is it well, like anything else, it throughout my life at different stages has carried different emotions. Like when I was younger, I didn't think of my dad as this, you know, great worldwide apologist. I knew he did all those things, but he was really just my dad first. Mm. Loved my mom, loved me, great dad. And that's the lens through which I saw him. I never planned on going into apologetics. My dad, he never said to me, hey, you'd be a great writer. You'd be a great speaker. You should follow in my footsteps. Not once did he say that, Greg. Hmm. The narrative that I remember was just, son, God has gifted you. Whatever that is, use it for God's kingdom. That's hmm. how I remember the narrative being. And then as I got older and started thinking like, gosh, God has gifted me to speak. And for different reasons, I do love apologetics and I want to work with students. Then there were thoughts like, do I really want to go into this world when my dad is like the Michael Jordan of apologetics? And it's not that my parents ever put pressure on me, but everybody else would. And I just had to wrestle with the ideas of like, am I comfortable being myself? What does mm. it mean? Just those natural questions. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, uh, you know, when your dad has the influence that like my dad does through my entire life, people are always making comparisons and, and that's okay. The most freeing thing for me was just to be like, you know what? God's given me this family. He's given me this gift. He's given me these passions and I don't have to compete 1% with my dad. All that matters to me is when it's all said and done. God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's a freeing idea that I just try to live out. And so now I'm at a season where my dad and I do stuff together, and it's just one of the greatest joys in my life. That's such a great answer and very honest. And I really see how you have carved out your, your own pathway for apologetics and really made it accessible to Gen Z which I, mm. I really appreciate. Um, you've taken that passion for apologetics, which in, you know, a lot of people view apologetics as something for the age before. Like it's, it was back in the seventies and eighties, the evidence that demands a verdict. Kids aren't even asking those questions uh, today, but I think you've reframed it a lot, taken all that great stuff and reframed it and communicated what I call sound truth in sound bites to really kind of become these truth bombs to get kids to think and youth leaders to think biblically with this. So why is that important to you? Well, I think 
culture has clearly shifted. One of the ways I think my father was so effective when you go back to the 70s and 80s is there was a debate culture. There was, he would show up on a college campus and people would cancel classes and come out to hear the radical talk about things. The way my dad describes that era is just like one of the most exciting moments really kind of in American history. People knew there was truth. They would debate and he would stand a platform and you didn't have a conversation with somebody. You stated things dogmatically and firmly or they would just shout you off the stage. Well, my dad is just wired for that moment, just the way God made him and his background. Well, clearly culture shifted. Now he's still effective in a different way, but God, I love a debate, but I also think in our cultural moment, when you say things too dogmatically and firmly, people, because they have access to endless information are like, wait a minute, it can't be that simple. So we have to nuance things. I think we have to have conversations. And I think we have to be super careful that the level of confidence that we assert in our position is backed up by the evidence. Hmm. And so that's just extra important today. And the other piece is people are just digesting information differently. I mean, YouTube is the number two search engine in the world, in the hmm. world. So I do short videos on YouTube. I do long videos on YouTube. About a year ago, my son said to me, he goes, dad, if you want to reach my generation, you got to get on TikTok. And I understand all the concerns about TikTok, but like you, Greg, I was like, you know what? I'm willing to risk it because I want to reach kids. I just did a short video yesterday. It got like 30,000 views. They don't mm. all get that view. Most get a lot less, but kids are watching this stuff. They're digesting it. And so my goal is to just take the ways kids are digesting information, bring apologetics, bring theology, bring the gospel to where they're at. So that's, that's great. And I love, I love the fact, I never even thought about it. You know, your teens can actually fact check you, check you on the spot. My son does, oh, my 20 year old yes. son. Yep. Like I was saying something, he's like, no dad, it says right here. I'm like, seriously? And it's just a whole different era. So I appreciate how you've taken all of these channels, social media channels, and really maximize them for apologetics and worldview and God's truth. So let me just ask a more basic question. Where does apologetics fit into youth ministry today? For an average youth leader, where do you think apologetics fits? Well, I think it's one leg of the stool, so to speak. Of course, there's prayer. Of course, there's mission trips. Of course, there's personal counseling and worship. All of these components are important. I think it's a mistake when people just do apologetics. Sometimes apologists love it and they're eager. And so that's all they do. But I think it's also a huge mistake to not make apologetics at least one staple of how youth ministers reach this generation. And there's a few reasons for this. And number one is kids have genuine questions. They do. When I speak to tens of thousands of young people every year, I've got two Gen Zers in my home. I teach a class part-time and I think in the right context and in the right way, kids want to know, okay, is there such thing as truth? Is the Bible true? Why does God allow evil? Is there life after death? These are apologetic questions, and kids have them. So if we want to equip Christian kids to have a confident 
faith to know what they believe and why they believe it, which is biblical, by the way, when Jesus says, love God, with your heart, your soul, and your mind, you know, when Peter says, always be ready with an answer for the hope within it's biblical. But second, if we want kids to do evangelism and get out and have spiritual conversations, apologetic questions are going to come up. So I found when kids are equipped with apologetics, as a whole, they're more likely to engage non-believers because they're not afraid to be asked a question because either they might have a thoughtful answer, or at least they know there's an answer that is out there. So I think in youth ministry, apologetics is valuable internally for just giving our kids confidence and externally for engaging non-Christians. You know, and it's interesting, you know, training teens over the last 30 years, how to share the gospel, what I've seen, it works both ways because when teenagers begin to share their faith, uh, they get asked questions. They don't have the answers to, they come back to their youth leader and say, okay, what's, why do we believe in a Trinity? How do we know the Bible's the word of God? You know, what, how do we know that Jesus really was here? I mean, and when kids ask you, teenagers ask you questions like that as a youth leader, that's gold. So mm-hmm. I think evangelism and apologetics, you know, I mean, if you just do evangelism, you may not have a more informed faith. If you just do apologetics, sometimes you can use that as a, a weaponize it, you know, sure. But when they sure. come together, boy, it's a, it's like nitrogen and glycerin, you know, it's explosive <laughs> in, a, in a good way. So, um, Let's tie it in a little bit with, uh, you do a lot of shorter videos that uh, TikTok you talked about, but some of your YouTube videos, a lot of the ones that I've seen are really short. Uh, you have my IGTV or you know five minutes long that deal with key subjects. How are youth leaders and how can youth leaders use those in youth group uh, as discussion starters? Well, here's actually a great way to do it. I would start by asking students and say, I want you to write down, pass out a note card, or you could do it digitally somehow. Write down the toughest questions you have about God. In other words, the biggest question you would fear somebody asking you, feeling like you don't have a good answer for this, and give them some time. And typically kids will say, problem of evil, uh, hell, maybe something relational will come up, uh, how Jesus is the only way, Hmm. science and faith. And then what you'll find is because I've done this over and over again with students and try to answer the very questions that I've been asked, just go to my YouTube channel. And there's other people that do these short videos too. You'll find a two, three, four, five minute response. So you just say, look, I've gathered the top 10 most common questions. And for the next six or eight or 10 weeks, we're going to talk about this. And these come from you, the student about evil. Here's a five minute response. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? What would you add to this? Can you think of anything else the Bible says? And you just use that as a springboard. But rather than starting with, hey, some guy named Sean says this and you should listen, you start with a hook that says, you guys are asking this question. And you know what? Other people have been asking this question and thinking about it for a long time. Here's a short video that gives us one way to address this question. Let's watch it together and then discuss it. Mm. That's one of the most effective ways I've seen youth leaders use those short videos. And by the way, you just took care of the next 10 week series for every <laughs> youth leader listening to this right now. And yeah. it's it's great because it's free. And I think it's the most effective way. Uh, we have a strategy of training called ask, listen, teach, alternative teaching, ask yep. questions, listen, and then teach. 
And when you do that, when you have the students, you know, driving those topics, uh, they, there's ownership there. And then kind of you're bringing in the truth bomb and then the youth leaders cleaning up the mess. And it's in that interaction. I, I really think for repentance, if you think that word means a change of mind, a change of perspective, that repentance really begins to happen. Worldviews get crafted. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I think uh, youth leaders are so afraid of debate and awkward questions, but that's that tension. Uh, we yeah. say at Dare to Share, awkward is awesome. It, it's, it's in the crucible of the awkward where transform, transformed thinking takes place. So mm -hmm. kick over that bucket, you know, let that mess out and you and the Holy Spirit can grab a mop and Sean will kick in with his cool videos and help, help clean that up. And uh, I remember when I was a youth leader, we had our, like our most popular curriculum series was called hot buttons. And yeah. it was like 10 hot button issues. Well, you're giving them a free way to do that. Just, and it's the hot buttons that are their top of mind. So that's a great idea. Just, I know we'll talk about this at the end, but where can people find those YouTube videos? Well, my YouTube video is just technically Dr. Sean McDowell, but if you search Sean McDowell, it'll pop up and I have different playlists. And just so you know, I do two things. For example, if I forget the title, but if like God made everything, why is it wrong to smoke pot? I have like a three, four minute response mm. to that. But then I have an hour long interview with Todd Miles. It's called Cannabis and the Christian in which we go into more depth. So the short videos, you could just search you know, why does, how could God send a loving person to hell? Why is Jesus the only way? These tough questions and they'd pop up or you could work through the playlist and just see the questions that are there, but just know on a lot of the topics, there's the short answers, but mm -hmm. there's also longer ones that I've had youth leaders use as well, if that's helpful. Yeah, that's great. And so let's talk about one of those topics. Um, not necessarily an apologetics issue, but a very, you know, hot button issue uh, LGBTQ plus, right? Um, why is it important that youth leaders tackle this subject with their teenagers? How they, how, and how can they do that in both a biblically responsible way, but a loving and kind way? That's exactly the right question and the tension that you and I and our students live in. So, the first part of the question is why talk about it? For about the past decade or so, as I would go and speak at different conferences and events and open up for Q&A, the first you know, or second or maybe third question was always on something related to sexuality, mm -hmm. typically LGBTQ. Now, the T is more the last three to four years. But I started realizing, my goodness, this is on the heart and minds of our students. I mean, we've been going through pride month and kids are getting this message everywhere through social media i was just sitting on american airlines yesterday pulled up and the cover is like celebrating lgbtq so our culture is pushing and promoting this and our students are just confused and not sure how to navigate this so the first big win is just to talk about it i want to tell youth leaders you don't have all the answers if a student asks a question you don't know, just say, gosh, I don't know. Let me look that up and get back to you. Just talking about it mm -hmm. with a desire to be faithful to scripture and with a posture of love, that's a huge win in itself. You, the youth leader, don't have to be the expert. So the way to do it 
is also to go a little bit deeper and talk about not only what scripture says, but why scripture says it. That's what a lot of kids don't understand. Many of them know that God doesn't want sex outside of marriage. He's against divorce, against adultery, and against same-sex unions, but they don't really know God's heart behind it. That's when kids start getting convictions and understand, oh, wait a minute, God is good. And God has a purpose for moms and dads. He has a purpose for sexuality. And even if our culture says you're bigoted and hateful for holding this view, and by the way, I found there's a lot of people who disagree with the biblical viewpoint, but are open to conversations with Christians who hold a historic Christian view. I just had a guy comment yesterday. He watched a video I did with Jack Phillips, the guy who refused to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding. And this guy goes, look, I'm LGBTQ. I appreciate his heart and respect his, his convictions. But then there's other people that no matter how gracious and kind you are, will hate you and hate your position because they think it's inherently discriminatory. Mm. So it's important we don't just stereotype all people in LGBTQ community because it's hugely diverse. But I also want to bring people back to scripture and say the big question is, am I following what Jesus taught? Yeah. Am I afraid of man? Or am I afraid of God? Yeah. And asking those questions is really at the heart of it for this generation. You know, and and you know, in the seventies, there was a big battle for inerrancy. There's a battle for the Bible, uh, and you know, is all of Scripture inerrant? And it's still an issue today. But I really agree with you. I think the battle today is not is the Bible inerrant or inspired. But is it in charge? It's a, it's a struggle for the authority of Scripture. Do we really believe what the Bible says? And not just about issues like LGBTQ+, but also that we need to love everyone and Amen. love those who speak. I mean, we need to, if we take that seriously, we must speak this truth in love. And again, Sean, that's something I really appreciate about you and your ministry. Everything I've seen, every debate uh, our interactions, uh, you know, personally, as well as uh, when we were at the Anchored Conference. And again, we had, you know, gay bloggers in the room that were waiting uh, for every word. Uh, and you just really handled yourself with gentleness and respect. And I, I respect that. So that, and that's a cute, I, I think to really, I think teenagers can really think through, I mean, do I really believe what the Bible says? Yeah. Um, because if we do, you, we have to take these issues seriously. I think that's right. You know, the bigger the platform God has given me, the more criticism I get. And I know that's true for you. And there's an awful lot of people that'll criticize everything. And that's okay. I've fallen short. But what you said, I think, is the posture that I aim for. And I think Christians need to aim for today. Mm. We have a cancel culture. We have an angry culture. We have a hurting culture. And we Christians get caught up in that and we name call and we attack and we play by the rule book of our broken culture. I try and I fall short, Greg. Let's err on the side of being gracious. Yeah. Let's turn the other cheek. Let's extend an olive branch. And one reason I think we can do that is if we know what we believe and why. Because I have confidence Christianity is true, 
I'm not afraid to have conversations with people who see the world differently. Yeah. That's another reason why apologetics is so important. But that posture more than ever, I would just so encourage any youth leaders listening to say, let's do that. Let's be relational. Let's be gracious. But let's mm. stick to scripture. And, you know, let's try to get people saved. I mean, let's share the gospel of Christ Amen. because my, my conviction is it's a lot easier to win an argument on that kind of issue. If you have the Holy Spirit, you know, if a person recognizes I'm a sinner, even if they don't necessarily think homosexuality is a sin, but they recognize I'm a sinner in need of a savior, they put their faith in Christ. And guess what? The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, convicts the believer, and uh, will begin that process of sanctification from the inside out. So if I'm talking to somebody who's LGBTQ or, or whatever, I I, I first of all say, man, I want to introduce you to Jesus and Jesus will, will change your life from the inside out. So Amen. remember the gospel and we need to remember the gospel and all this. Um, where can youth leaders go? I know we've talked about this a little bit, but to find out more uh, resources that you offer. And when you, when you're Dr. Sean McDowell, McDowell it's S E A N, not yeah, S H A W N. Right. So Dr. Sean McDowell is your uh, YouTube channel. Where else can they find you? Probably the thing that links to everything else is just my website. It's just seanmcdowell.org. And at the top, I have my latest YouTube video. Uh, I blog roughly once a week. And the one last week was actually on worldview and apologetics curriculum mm. for like third to sixth graders. There's a new great curriculum that's out. And I just mm. give a platform to other people doing well. Uh, there's a link to our podcast there and then links to... The main social media I use are Instagram, Twitter, and uh, TikTok, and there's all links there. So, and even resources in my speaking schedule, I tell a lot of youth leaders, I go, look, when I'm out traveling at different events, if I happen to come to your city, like come over and we'll try to get coffee or I will carve out time if you're able to come to an event that I'm at and that's important to you and my schedule allows it. A lot of people don't take me up on that, but Greg, quite a few people do and able to just have some great connections where we're both blessed and encouraged. Man, praise the Lord. I appreciate that. Uh, one last word of encouragement uh, as, as you leave, and then we're going to have uh, a youth leader on to kind of talk about what you just shared. Um, mm -hmm. Could you give one last word of encouragement to our youth leader, Sean? Oh, gosh, that's such a big open question. You know, I would just say I'm, I'm a dad of two youth leaders, and I thank God for the youth workers, whether Christian school teachers, those at a church, and coaches who pour into my kids. Because even though I may have this platform, and my kids do listen to me, a prophet is not welcome in his own country. There's something profound about that, that I'll say something, and then my son's coach. Or, you know, my daughter's youth leader will say something and it'll stick. So I guess if I had just one voice, I would say through COVID, it's been tough. And I don't know how a lot of youth leaders have made it work, but you are one of the most underrated but important voices in the life of young people today. Don't stop, be encouraged, know that you're making a difference. Man, Sean, that is, that is great. Um, Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your focus. And you are a gift to the body of Christ. You're a gift to youth ministry. And you said you're the father of two youth leaders. 
but I oh, think you meant you're the father of two youth. I'm like, really? Did I? Well, you you meant what I knew on that one, fortunately. <laughs> there so. you go. Perfect. <laughs> well, thanks again. And uh, appreciate you being a part of it. We're going to switch gears right now. Uh, we're going to do a section we call thanks, Ask brother. a Youth. You bet. Love you, man. Uh, Love you too. Do a section called Ask a Youth Leader. And uh, because I've not been in youth ministry for over 30 years, and it's called the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. So we thought, let's bring in youth leaders uh, at uh, on every show. We Today we have LB from uh, Grace Church. I'll give you a quick little update on her. She's currently serving on the students uh, uh, ministry team at Grace Church Eden Prairie, Minnesota, one of my favorite churches on the planet. It feels like my home church. I love Grace Church. She's been in youth ministry for 19 years, has her MDiv in biblical and theological studies. She has a passion for communicating the word of God, discipling the next generation of church leaders. Her greatest joy of her life is her nieces and nephews, and she loves traveling and Disney World, which is awesome. And she was in her offices a couple of weeks back, and she was reading a book called The Mortification of Sin. So that sounds pretty intimidating. I like so, to keep it light, Greg. Yeah, I like keep, to it, keep light. it light. That's right. That's right. From the latest prosperity preacher, <laughs> the mortification of sin. Now, uh, was John Owen, right? Yeah. Oh, man. She's I haven't hanging. finished it yet. It's so dense. Well, it's because you fall asleep on each page. <laughs> I, can, I can get through like three pages and then I need to like take a nap. Why don't then... we have a worship song about the mortification of sin? The mortification. I'm not, I don't know why. I'll I'm talk sorry. To that our, was a Broadway. I'll talk to our worship <laughs> team about that. I'll yeah, talk. Jeremy. I'll talk to I'll talk right? to Jeremy would take that up. I See think. what he's got. See if he can bring the mortification of yeah. sin worship song. All right. Are you ready to mortify people? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Okay. Here's my first question. All right. I've known you for years. You have. And I still don't know how to pronounce your last name. That's why I always call you LB or Laura. How do you pronounce you know, it? I am. Um... This is why I put LB and I actually go by LB because when people try to pronounce my last name, it's I sad. always respond with Gesundheit. Um, because yeah. miss it. But it's it's Buchelt. Okay. Um, but apparently Buchelt. when the whoever came LB. over on the boat, it was like, you know, and yeah, so yeah. LB. 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 I've been, people have called me LB since I was 18. So I'm very comfortable. Yeah. Very it's comfortable cool. There. All right, LB. So uh, what did you think about what Sean shared? Oh man, I loved it. I so I couldn't nod fast enough uh, through all of it. I was I was feverishly writing. Oh yeah, uh, feverishly writing. Uh, I think big picture, it, everything he's saying is is so spot on. Everything mm. from the apologetics and evangelism have to go hand in hand. To yeah. you know the the culture in in student student culture is shifting and we have to shift with it he was talking yeah. about uh the way that they're receiving information and so shifting to different formats uh yeah i think sometimes we as youth leaders like to get to a spot where we're comfortable with how we are doing youth ministry mm -hmm. um but just how he was talking about man tweaking and adapting and hearing the questions and having the conversations yeah I, so let's talk I about that because I, i'm thinking here about you have a, you know, a lot of the youth leaders that we have on the show are small to medium size. You guys have a large youth group at Grace Church. Yeah. Thinking about uh, a series, could you imagine a series like that at Grace? Um, and it'd be hard to open up. There'd be have to some kind of small group interactions with those questions. And it, I mean, it feels dangerous 
because there's so many strong opinions about those issues, but the Bible is so clear, but it gets you thinking. Could you imagine a series like a hot topics or hot button series based yeah, on we've done it. Oh, we've okay. Done How it. did it go? Um, mixed reviews. Okay. Um, because, because you, you know, you, you've got some people that it'd are, have been, it'd have been better if you showed the Sean McDowell five minute videos that it probably would have been a lot better actually, but Just we, you know, we future. have uh, stand to reason is a fantastic apologetics organization oh, yeah. and they're out here in the fall at our, at here at grace. And so for our students conference. And so we, we get them. And so mm. we've done that. And then for me, I, I take our seniors. So I take like just the senior class through some really heavy apologetics conversations, but mm. in a very, um, like I make them watch a video and then we all come together and then okay. I make them hash it out. So sometimes a student will say, well, this is, this is true. And it's completely not true. Yeah. And then I'll let other students correct them and, uh, and let them sort of hash it out. And then I'll come in and sort of sweep it up at the end. But I, I yeah. have found that, that they're hungry. They're hungry yeah. for these conversations and in a conversational format, not just in a me standing on the stage, teaching them format. Well, and nobody gets bored in a debate. I, I remember, uh, I remember once I was at a, an event on spiritual warfare and the lady up teaching was like, all right, everybody put on your armor of uh, right now, put on your breastplate of righteousness. And this guy yells out, what the heck are you talking about? She goes, shut up, her, put it on. I thought it was a skit and it was her husband. He goes, that's a, a crazy talk, putting on your armor. What are you talking about? She goes, put it on her. And I, I'm the only one in the room laughing, but everybody was fully engaged. And I would have, I would have laughed with you. Yeah. See, there you go. Buckle up. My back. There you have to buckle up. Here we go. But <laughs> you get those kind of going and the adrenaline starts building and students start, start thinking. And I think if we can continually take them back to scripture as the authority, what do you, you know, just as that, as that topic, where do you think teens are today? The average Christian teen um, that you're from your experience at Grace Church, uh, when it comes to biblical authority on those types of issues. Yeah, I think I think it's I think there's a tension, and I I think I can say this with confidence that this would be a, a pretty universal youth ministry thing. I think you've got um, in, in the youth ministry we've got you got kids in a couple different camps. You've got kids that are, you know, raised in the church. You know, they're they're dad is the elder deacon, you know, whatever you've got the kids or like the kids who are just really, they've been raised in it. They're steeped in it. And then you've got the kids that are like, I'm here because I'm here. And it's not really something I'm totally sold into. And, and yeah. maybe I'm, I'm partying on the weekend. So, so I, I don't know that I can say like average, I could say like averaged, like church to church kid. And then I yes. could say like average student in our ministry. So it's, it's a little bit of a different benchmark, yeah. but, um, I, I think Sean said it really well that um, kids have genuine questions. And the thing that I'm coming across right now is that most current students and, and former students, as I talk to them, they'll say, I never really felt like there was space made for me to ask those questions. Mm. I always just had to, I either had to believe it or walk away from the whole thing. Mm. 
Um, and so just that concept of what does it look like to, to create space to ask those questions? Mm. That's been something that I know I've really been wrestling with because there, there's one sense that we want to teach and we want to, you know, get them the information and we want to do community and we have all these different things, but how are we making sure we're being intentional about creating space? Because I think kids do have questions. I think especially like the average church kid who would say, I am a Christian wants really badly to believe that the Bible is true. Um, they want to want believe. And, and I think if you have a really honest conversation with them, they can't fully articulate why that's true. Yeah. Um, and, or, so, or not just why it's true, but why it's important. So I, I really, I think that's an excellent point. I think one of the things we have a responsibility to do is really help teens understand why the Bible is fully authoritative, why it can be trusted. Um, I remember my old pastor did something. I'll never forget this. He preached on a Sunday night service. I was 13 years old. He held up his Bible and he said, I want you to know this book well enough to rebel against me if I'm wrong. And when I ended up leaving the church is I told him I was 18 years old. I said, you taught me too well. I'm out of here because this church is legalistic. And I, I, I believe this book, but how do we you know, really help students understand the authority of scripture? I think that is a, it's going to be an increasingly important um, topic. Shift the gears a little bit, you know, talking to Sean, who's the apologetics guy. I'm the dare to share guy. It really feels like evangelism and apologetic. You mentioned it earlier. If we can bring those together, you know, some of the best conversations we do, uh, you've been, uh, uh, lead the cause, our full week training. Uh, and by the way, just to plug, if, if you've got a group for youth leaders, you got a group, go to take your core five and go to lead the cause. Awesome. Yeah, okay. because- Spend because, a couple of times and there's nothing, there's nothing like it. Don't because, bring your whole youth group. Just yeah, you- support. You, you take those kids from your youth group to lead the cause, and they're actually having those conversations totally. out in the streets with real people, and the bus rides on the way back, they're unpacking that stuff, there's coaching along the way, and we found, what I would say is, what, what I found is, is it's bring your student leaders and the ones that should be but don't know it yet. Yes. And those- yeah. Bring the quiet kids. Yeah, because there's so many just ready to go out. But, you know, how can we help teenagers uh, engage their own peers in those gospel conversations so they come back more hungry for apologetics? What are some of the ways that you've seen at Grace that you guys do that? Yeah. And, you know, at Grace, and just so you know, Greg, you say like Grace is your home. Like we think Grace is your home too. We love you. We love Dare to Share. I'm big, big fan. I was going to wear my Dare to Share shirt, but I see I didn't. Uh, you know, one of the things that the longer I've been in ministry, the, the more I've learned the reality that information doesn't always equal transformation. Yeah. And so just communicating information. In fact, I have an intern that's a former student of mine. And right now she goes to Moody uh, Bible Institute in Chicago, which is awesome. And she says to me, I wish someone would have told me this when I was in high school. And I looked at her dead in the eyes and I go, I wish you had listened when I said yeah. this when you were in high school. Exactly. Um, and, I, and I think you, you ask the average student and what you're going to hear is, you know, if you say, hey, how have you seen God work? They'll tell you a story about 
maybe God working in their parents or in their family, Mm. but it's, it's taking the information that they're getting Mm. and, 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 and seeing it in their life. So to me, the reason, um, apologetics and, and evangelism goes so hand in glove is that, you know, evangelism is, uh, you don't know Jesus and you need Jesus and discipleship is, you know, Jesus and you need Jesus. And, and Mm. so, so when we're, when they're, when they're doing, if they're understanding the person of God, they're understanding their faith. Well, if I, if I'm understanding that I need Jesus, Mm. I'm, I'm, my heart is going to soften towards people who don't have Jesus and need Jesus. And I think when, when, when students are struggling with evangelism, part of it for me is they, they don't realize that they need to be saved, not just from the, I need to become a Christian, but like the daily ongoing, I need to be saved and, and not for eternity, but like, I need the gospel for today. Um, so, so I see this, like where to me, where it all kind of comes hand in glove is as students continue to learn about the heart of Mm. God, they get out and share the gospel. Well, then all of a sudden they have a story of God's faithfulness, not for their parents, not for their friends, not for their pastor, but they have a story of God's faithfulness for themselves, which is one of the reasons mission trips is so impactful for the student. But I think, I don't think we have to wait until our mission trip for that, for that to happen. And, and it doesn't have to be the full G-O-S-P-E-L, ask, admire, admit, like the whole thing in Mm -hmm. one sitting. Mm -hmm. It can be, man, I had a conversation um, and I went and asked a friend, uh, are you a part of a faith community? And that was the first part of the conversation. And I'm looking forward to talking a little bit more about that. And, um, And so to me, where those two things really come together are, if, if we want information to become transformational in the life of a student, there's mm. gotta be, it, it's gotta be faith that moves. It can't just yeah. be faith that sits. So good. Laura, um, I appreciate your work at Grace. You're a pillar there. Um, you're committed to sound theology. You're committed to evangelism. You're committed to apologetics and you're committed to loving these kids and seeing them conform to the image of Christ. And uh, thank you for your work uh, as a youth leader and um, excited for what the future holds. And thanks for your partnership with Dare to Share and tell the team I said hello. So I, I, I certainly will. Love you guys. Thanks for thanks for giving me giving me the space. It's been fun. Yeah. And if youth leaders are out there and they want to find out more about you is uh, what are your like, you know, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. So grace.church is, is grace church. And then we are next students. So next students, right. Uh, next students is our, is our Insta. And then, but yeah, uh, MN grace church is our, is our Instagram for, for the church as a whole, but grace.church it's super easy is our, is our website and I can be found out there. Awesome. Thanks so much, Laura and youth leaders. Thanks again for tuning in. It's been a great episode with LB as well as Sean McDowell. And remember that a thriving youth ministry is a gospel advancing youth ministry. So advance the gospel. Thanks for tuning in.